Dear Lord, we thank you for another chance to come together to be able to go through your word, to uh, strengthen each other, understand the truth, study to know exactly how we should navigate this life, how we should walk according to your will. We thank you for giving us another day. We thank you for giving us another opportunity. We thank you for peace. Thank you for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We know that no weapon is formed against, that's formed against anyone who walks according to your truth shall prosper. And we stand on that truth every single day until our final day. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, I want to ask a question. Are we fighting with the right tactics? You know, Paul told us in Ephesians 6, 12, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Paul was letting us know that the fight that we are in is one that doesn't look like the world. He didn't say some things. He didn't say most things. He didn't say, you know, certain things. He said that everything that we encounter, everything that we stand against, he said it's spiritual. It's not a physical warfare. It's not flesh and blood. It's not a carnal fight. It is an unseen battle that we endure as believers. And if we are not walking in this understanding, then we find ourselves fighting in a realm that we are never called to fight in when we came into this faith. The reason why Paul makes this known to us is because a lot of us are led astray with the understanding of how to fight and the tactics we ought to use. This is why when we get sick, one of the things we immediately do is we go consult a doctor. Or when we have some type of emotional problem, some type of mental problem, we seek therapy. We go and try to get some type of counseling to help deal with the issue. Paul is telling us that when we come under attack, it's spiritual. It's an it's a, it's a unseen battle that happens to manifest manifest itself into the flesh. And you see this all throughout the Bible. You see this all throughout the word of God. When the enemy sent forth, it was always something that took place in the spiritual before it came into existence in the physical. Look at the story of Job. Um, you know, Job was a righteous man, as the Bible declared he was. That's what God said. He was, there was none like the guy. And he was living a very successful life. He owned many things. He had, he was very well known. He had a lot of children. He had many people working for him. And then one day, Satan went before God and God asked, if you consider my servant Job? That initial conversation led to Satan, who 
operates in the spiritual to have control over doing things in the physical when it came to Job. Destroyed all his kids, um, destroyed his, his livelihood, even inflicted his body with, with a sickness. But had Job not understand that he was in a spiritual fight, he never would have came to his senses after justifying himself when he had an interaction with God. And he would have unfortunately stayed in a place of defeat, which is what, a many, what many believers are experiencing today. And the reason why is because in this new covenant where Christ is the, the new priest, the high priest for the believers, we don't understand the tactics to fight. I, I, I often hear people talk about prayer. You know, when things happen, they start praying. They start uh, getting on their knees and, and, and calling out to God. But I want to tell you, prayer has its place. It has its arena and where, it's, where it operates is specific. Where it's supposed to be used is specific to a place. And Jesus showed us this in his ministry. He showed us how prayer is supposed to be used when we are in a fight with the enemy, when we come under attack. You know, there's so much going on in the world today. There's severe economy crisis. You have countries that are collapsing. People are getting sick from all kinds of different issues. I mean, you, you name it. It's happening everywhere all the time. And... When people see, they experience these different type of challenges, you, you, you hear this, well, let's pray about it. Let's pray. Let's pray. And people pray. They even have corporate prayer where they come together and they all pray. But then when the prayer doesn't get answered, how or when or where it's expected, then many people start to reach out into the fleshly realm, into the world the doctors, the scientists, and, you know, therapists to try to get answers to problems that ultimately originated in spirit. This is important for us to realize in the faith because we could spend our whole life being defeated, spend our whole life living in a dark place that we never were called to stay. Job wasn't called by God. He wasn't created by God to stay in that place of defeat. No one was in the Bible. They were always called to go through, to go above, to overcome the things that we endure, the things that we are challenged with. That, that is the life that we are supposed to live. We're never supposed to settle for a place of defeat. Now, are there things that can happen to us that God won't take away? Of course, absolutely. You look at the Apostle Paul when he sought God three times to take away that thorn he had in his side and God didn't do it. Told him that his grace was sufficient. Look at Jesus Christ. When he went to the, uh, before he went to the cross, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane asking God to take away that cup, take away the crucifixion that he was, he was in. Uh, coming up against uh, and God didn't take it away but here's how you know if the thing that you're challenged with God has called you to 
endure that. Maybe temporarily, maybe long term, maybe for the rest of your life. One is you have peace about it. You keep going on. And the other one, the other way to identify is that you you know God grace enables you to still do his will even though you were challenged. Christ was challenged with the cross. He prayed so hard, the Bible said that he was sweating blood. That was a challenge for him. But he still went forward and did what God called him to do. But what Paul understood and what Christ understood and, and, and the disciples understood is what many of us misunderstand today in the faith. And when we come under attack, we are either instantly defeated or shortly after the attack, we're defeated. So we're going to look at the tactics that Jesus Christ used and what he told his disciples to do and use in order to be victorious against the battles we encounter in the spiritual realm that ultimately manifests itself into the flesh. And we're going to go to Matthew 17, verse 14. And it reads, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now, before we go on, I want to look at something here in this in this uh, dialogue. The Bible says that this person had seizures. They were epileptic. And it was so severe that the young man threw himself. He, he fell into the fire and the water. So obviously, this young man had no true control over himself. And where did they take this boy? They took him to Jesus. And what was the purpose? Or excuse me, they took him to the disciples. And the purpose was not to treat the condition. They weren't trying to get a, a, diagno a diagnosis or a um, uh, some type of prescription. They came for a cure, not treatment. They wanted to be done with the problem. They wanted the boy to be healed. So that father that brought that young man had some pretty bold faith. And he was expecting something to be done to actually resolve the problem, not treated as what we see today in the massive multi-trillion dollar pharmaceutical industry, where at the end of the day, their, their whole objective is to keep you coming back. That's why they treat rather than seek a cure, in which man cannot cure unless God uh, allows it through Christ. And we're going to see this right here. In verse 17, then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long should I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Now notice what Jesus calls uh, the individuals who failed to rebuke the demon out of the boy. He said, faithless and perverse generation. Now, to be faithless simply means to have no faith. 
to doubt, to not believe. And he said that they were a perverse generation. And, and perverse is really contrary. It's, 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 it's against one thing. It's to be opposite. It's opposing. So what they were trying to do, they could not do because they had no faith and they opposed the very, the very act, the very thing they were trying to make happen. And again, Jesus clearly shows you that this kid that had seizures uh, wasn't um, just dealing with some type of mental or physical illness. He was under the control of a demon. And because of that, you know, he was the, the boy was all out of control. And one more important piece to look at here is that the Bible says that he was cured that very hour. Now, when you look at Jesus Christ healing people throughout the Bible, you, you will find that there were different times between when Jesus said, when he, he either spoke or touched them, uh, and they were healed. Some were healed immediately, and some were healed later on. Now, I could imagine if that father went home with the boy and he was still dealing with the conditions of the seizure after Jesus had rebuked the demons. And the father said, you know what? I don't think Christ healed you. So let's go try to find some other type of remedy. Let's go seek some help somewhere else. Sometimes we want God to bring us out of a situation, a sickness, whatever the case may be. It don't happen when we want it. So we doubt and then we go looking in other directions instead of believing and declaring that it's done and walking as such. All right. And in verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, how or why could we not cast it out? And here's what Jesus tells them in verse 20. Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. He said, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, that's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need this massive, you know, watermelon-sized faith. You just need faith of a mustard seed. And if you've ever seen a mustard seed, it's the smallest or one of the smallest seeds out there. You can easily lose it. That's how small it is. He said, that's all you need. Well, some of us may say, you know what? I have that kind of faith. I believe. So why can't I get the blessing, the healing, the thing that I know I should have or what God is calling me to have? Well, here's the reason why. If you go back up and you look at it, Jesus said that they had they were faithless. They didn't have any faith. We say, well, how how was it they didn't have any faith when they tried? They tried to heal him, but it didn't happen. The problem was being perverse, as he described, is that they were contrary to what they were trying to do, meaning that they had doubt. They didn't fully believe. They didn't have absolute faith. There was some type of contaminated idea or belief about what they were trying to do that hindered their ability. 
That's why he said that they're faithless. When we go to God and asking him to make a way, we're asking, we're, we're praying for a miracle, we're trying to cast or speak against the works of the enemy, we cannot have doubt at all. No doubt whatsoever. Now, does doubt come to us like anything else? Of course it do. But when we entertain it, the moment we entertain doubt is the moment faith moves out of the way. Doubt and faith cannot exist in the same space. No more than light and darkness can be in the same space. One is going to push the other one out. This is why James said in James chapter 1 verse 6, he said, But let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. He said, For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James is telling us in order for God to move in our life, for us to do the for the supernatural to take place, doubt cannot exist. It cannot happen. A lot of times we are believing God for something. We want him to heal. We want him to restore. We want him to help us overcome. But then we have this backup plan if he doesn't happen. The backup plan a lot of times is already sitting in the back of our head. I'm going to ask God for this. And if it don't work, I'm going to go to the bank and see if I can get that loan. Or I'm going to go over to the doctor and see if I can get a, 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 a better prescription or whatever the case may be. And unfortunately, we don't receive what God is calling us to have or what he wants us to, you know, be whole in a situation. But here's the thing. When we come up against a fight with the enemy, the, the, the thing we don't do is that we don't start praying. That's not what Jesus did. It's not what he commanded his disciples to do. In verse 21, Jesus said, however, this kind does not go out except prayer and fasting. What the disciples needed to do before they went into that showdown with the demon, trying to rebuke the demon, trying to drive the demon out of the boy, they needed to fast and pray before they went to that fight. Because here's what fasting and prayer does. One, when you fast, you show your faith to God. You build your faith on God. You separate yourself from the things that look like or possibly are what we depend on. It's not just some, you know, food. Yes, that's a huge piece to many of us is, is the food fasting, but also television. Uh, you know, things that we type, type, like to lean on, music or, or, or movies or whatever the case may be. Stuff that we try to use, you know, to help us go through whatever the case may be. You know, you have the comfort eating or, or some people drink or whatever the case may be. You have these different things that we use to lean on when we're going through a storm. But fasting is a decision to push away these things so we can depend more on God. And prayer is communing with him. You don't commune with God if you don't believe. So when we fast and pray, it builds us up. 
It increases our faith. It, it, it puts us in a place to say, God, you are true. Your word is true. And I'm going to live according to this and nothing else. And Jesus shows us this when he's going through his test before he faces Satan in the wilderness. The Bible tells us that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by Satan. And when he went in there, he fasted for 40 days. And it clearly, you know, Matthew tells us, he shows us how he was led by the Spirit into fasting, into prayer, to eventually fight the devil. And when he came out and it was time to do battle, after prayer, after fasting, he spoke God's word. That's what he did. He spoke it. The Bible says that Christ said it is written three times. He spoke the word. That is the order in which we are to fight the devil. That is the tactic that we need to use if we want to win. We have to first pray. Second, we need to fast. And thirdly, we need to speak God's word. Dropping down to pray in the middle of a fight. To call on God. God is saying, I'm, Christ is saying, this is how you win. This is how you become victorious. This is how you, you get the enemy off your back. You, you deny these things of the world, these things that are causing you to have this false sense of, of peace and joy and dependence and, and happiness, and, and you lean on him. And he builds you up in such a way that when it comes time to stand and fight with the enemy, you come out victorious. Too many of us are being whooped by Satan in this season. I remember when I used to go to church as a kid, I didn't understand it. And, and of course, not being the one that wanted to go to church as a kid, I didn't even agree. Um, but we used to do what's called shut-ins. And you'd go there uh, before the sun went down and you would stay there all night until the next morning. And, and, and people were in there praying and fasting and praying and fasting and testimonies and you know, my mom would tell you, I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't want to be there. I got older, then that's when I understood what was going on. People were preparing to go to war with the enemy. And, you know, after the, the towards the end, the, pretty much of the, of the shut-in, then you would, you know, you would get something to eat. But now, you don't really hear about shut-ins. You don't hear about corporate fasting. You hear about corporate prayer. See, that's a tactic that's being used out of out of order. So when it's time to do battle with the devil, we get whooped. We have to understand how to strategically fight Satan. He is very diverse in the word of God. And he has infiltrated many church institutions today. This is why you have prominent preachers that lead thousands upon thousands and they tell them, oh, all you have to do is speak these things to yourself. You have to declare these words, declare these, these truths. 
and, and, and have this higher thinking of who you are and, and then you can manifest all these greatness and all these different things that we hear. Nothing Jesus Christ ever said. He never said, go create a dream board or a vision board. You know, I, <laughs> I've had a dream board and a vision board um, years ago when I was a part of this financial uh, multi-level marketing group. And I remember what led me to get in that dream board. This person who claimed to be a Christian, to follow Jesus Christ, had a very suspect character. But I was seeking wealth. I was seeking, quote unquote, financial freedom. And he used a scripture that helped, helped justify why we need a dream board. And he said, write the vision and make it plain. That he that read it shall run with it. And I was like, wow, that really makes sense. <laughs> let me write my vision down. Let me get a dream board and let me speak these things into existence and declare these truths. And of course, you know, when I got into reading the Bible for myself and I separated myself from, from, from false teachers, I realized I was being led totally contrary uh, to what Jesus Christ not just did himself, but what he told us to do. When it comes to fighting this warfare, everything from the common cold to the coronavirus to you, whatever it is, cancer, all these seas out there, we need to go ahead and declare the true sea, live according to uh, the mighty sea, which is Christ and how he fought the devil. So we can stop living defeated and dying defeated. Many of these um, physical sickness a lot of us deal with because we don't fast. And we eat kind of whatever we want to eat. That's a real important piece right there. It's quite interesting that in America, we have more churches than the entire world combined. We have more gyms than the entire world combined. We have more hospitals and health institutions than the entire world combined, yet we are the most depressed, the most obese, the most suicidal, you name it. We'll leave the list in all the categories. Spiritual warfare is running people rag ragged. And us who say we believe, we're, we fit into at least one of those categories if we're not walking in the complete truth, fighting with the same tactics Jesus Christ used. We have to understand where we are, the grounds that we are fighting on, and how to come against the enemy. I was watching this clip today of this preacher who was giving a testimony, you know, and it, it was telling a story that had nothing to do with him, but it was, you know, it was a crowd pleaser. And that wasn't really what, what got my attention. What got my attention was the guy was, was totally unhealthy. You know, very overweight, unhealthy. And it's, it's evident that the spiritual warfare that's destroying his physical body hasn't clicked in, hasn't, hasn't come to light. We are called to be living proof. We're called to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. And 
to to show up in places of defeat, we don't look like living proof. And this is the reason why many people won't testify. They won't share their story because they're still in defeat. We need to know how to fight the devil. It ain't just dropping to our knees saying a prayer in the fight. We need to declare the word as it is in relation to that, that tactic Satan is using. The Bible says when Jesus came out of the wilderness, he was hungry. And the first thing Satan did was take the word of God, alter it when he told him to turn that stone into bread. But Jesus came back with the word of God in context to defeat Satan, to fight against him. He didn't run back into the wilderness and started praying. He went right to his face and spoke the truth. He was ready for war. He was ready to encounter Satan with the right tactic. We can be victorious in this season. We can, it don't matter how dark the world is. In fact, the darker the world is, the more we who have the light of Christ should, should shine. We should be shining extremely bright. Will that bright light create a bunch of haters? Absolutely. But not a single hater will be able to do a thing to anyone that God does not allow. And they cannot stop a child of God who are obedient, who are walking in right standing with Jesus Christ until your time comes. So we got to follow the footsteps of Jesus Christ. He laid the foundation for us. Paul came behind him with the rest of the disciples and solidified the order and operation of the church, the body of Christ. And these heavy demons that are coming against us, we need to fast, pray, speak the word of God, repeat. Because people, they're looking to us. They're in darkness. And, and, and they're looking, trying to navigate darkness with no light. That's why it's so easy for them to run to the world for whatever the case may be. But again, when the dark gets super dark, we should shine extremely bright. That's what Christ did. And when he went to the cross, they were coming at him sideways. Judas betrayed him. They were yelling, crucify him. And the more they tried to destroy Jesus Christ, the bigger he shined. The more he spread. And it went from Jerusalem now to all over the world. The true gospel is, is coming out and being preached to everyone. People are being living proof. And we need to make sure we are on that true bandwagon following the true Christ. And operating as it's written in the word of God. I get a lot of, I post things on social media and I get so many people who argue against what's being said. As if I wrote it. And the only reason why they're arguing is because they're not settled in their spirit with the life that they're living. Nobody argues with anybody about anything that they're at peace with. They're disturbed on the inside. Because that truth came and, it, and it, it's like, as the Bible said, it's a double-edged sword and it started cutting at them on things they don't want to let go of. 
And of course, they can't see Jesus Christ. They cannot see the Holy Spirit. They can't see God. All they can see is the person that brings forth that truth. That's who they attack. But it's a blessing. The Bible says rejoice greatly when they come against you for, the, for Christ's sake. He said, because your reward in heaven is going to be great. But in order for us to walk into that place where we are headed to that great reward, we have to come against the enemy in accordance to the way Jesus Christ did. Be that light and be that salt. Remember, we need to, we need to pray, we need to fast, and we need to declare God's word. Day in and day out. Speak it into existence. When I went into my final court hearing, didn't know what's going to happen. Uh, I didn't know what the enemy was going to do. Um, but, but well, before I went in, I was in that in that uh, prison praying and fasting. I was looking silly to inmates. On my knees, on my bunk, because I didn't have anywhere to go. There was no secluded area. So 10 days, I'm in there fasting and praying. And then when it eventually came time for me to stand uh, in front of the enemy for the first time, or for the last time, I was ready for war. I went in with peace and joy. And, and praying for the people who had to go to the same battleground as me, led not only to me being free, but them being free as well. Because at the end of the day, this, this walk is not about the person. It's about the, the purpose that God puts on our life. And that purpose is to set the captives free. When we get free, we got to go back and free other people. That's, that, that is the mandate from Jesus Christ. When he got free from uh, being in the grave for three days, he didn't go to heaven. He didn't go live it up and kick back and chill. He went to go see his disciples to encourage them, to show them, hey, listen, I overcame. It's your turn. Time for you to get free. That's the essence of the faith. It ain't about us. But if we're not walking in that strategic uh, uh, method that Jesus Christ walked in, then People will look over to and say, well, you, you defeated like I'm defeated. Why should I believe in the same God you believe in? We have to be living proof. We have to be evidence. We have to have substance that Jesus Christ is a healer. He's a provider. He's a way maker. He's a shield. He's a strong tower. So I want to encourage everyone today to walk in the truth. Walk in the tactics Jesus walked in when you're encountering the enemy. And God will prove himself to be true because he's faithful. The Bible says even when we are faithless, God is still faithful. And he proved that because he healed that little boy when his disciples were faithless. So be encouraged in this season. Be bold. Be courageous. Go to the throne of God boldly, confident. Stand on the truth. Stay in the will of God. Walk according to Christ and watch God prove himself to be who he says he is every single time. He has a reputation to uphold and the last thing he's going to let anyone do 
They mess up his reputation. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the word that you've given us. We thank you for the victory that you allowed us to have through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Holy Spirit allowing us the ability to navigate the warfare that we have with the enemy. Thank you for all that you continue to do. I pray that we all will stay in your will, obey your word, and live according to your truth. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.